0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha and caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you... To episode 721 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comical Podcast. I am your head number one, and my name is Malcolm. And I am the Internet's Joe Patrick, your head number two for these proceedings. In this episode,
1: we're reviewing new comics from the last two New Comic Wednesdays. After that,
0: we'll set you up with our must-read New Comic Picks Finally, you'll get a sampling of our Patreon Extra when you support THN for as little as $1 a month you get access to segments like this week's Ask a Nerd segment where one lucky listener wants to know about other characters that put on the Punisher skull while Frank was busy or dead or suspected to be dead. It's, it's complicated. On vacation. <laughs> you know. It's complicated, but give us a dollar. There was dollar. that time the Punisher rode a jet ski. Yeah. You know? It's complicated, but give us a dollar. We'll tell you all about it. But now it's time for the free portion of this show. It's review time in the Ziggurat!
1: On our new comic book review show, we review six comics from last week and six from this week and then destroy their condition by stamping them with our three-point, sure, our three-point rating scale of buy it, skim it, or leave it which tends to skew negative when we're hangry or miss a nap. Today, I missed a nap. Buckle up, Batman and Cat 1.
0: Watch the fuck out, Batman and Cat 1.
1: This time, our new comics pile features the bat and cat scorching each other, friendly werewolf dads, ultimate Thor's prison break, cigar-chomping robots, and more. But it all starts with more zombie comics. Didn't Didn't we just leave this party, Matt?
0: Yeah. I wish we did. New comics from Wednesday, November 1st. This is Almost Dead, number one, from Ablaze. It's 32 pages for $3.99 with a cover by Tyler Kirkham, art by Ryan Benjamin, written by Galaxy. Okay. Yeah. Just (laughs) (laughs) Galaxy. Colors by Sivakami M and letters by Saida Temfante. Here is your solicit. Somewhere between pure exhilaration and sheer terror is almost dead. After having an accident on her way home to visit her family, Sarah Walker awakens to find that the world has changed. Now, she must travel up the eastern seaboard using suppressed survival skills she learned as a child in hopes of reuniting with her loved ones in the midst of a viral pandemic that has turned humans into monsters! Just say zombies. Like, really. Set in a modern-day 2005. Which, Uh. yeah, modern, but a while ago. (laughs) Sarah unites with her old acquaintances and new friends along the way, and her struggle to survive will both be an unexpectedly exciting journey and an absolute horror. The submissive- uh, it reminds me of. he uh, <laughs> said in modern day, 2005 reminds
1: me of uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the movie where it was like a thousand years ago, yes.
0: yesterday. Right. <laughs> The Solicit continues. Almost Dead is a new post-apocalyptic horror drama adventure about triumph, growth, and the resiliency of the human spirit, brought to you by writer and Comic-Con radio slash spoiler magazine founder, Galaxy, and Eisner-nominated artist Ryan Benjamin, who worked on Batman Beyond, Star Wars, X-Men, and Grifter, that redefines the genre with its cinematic approach and attention to detail. Okay, hold on, Galaxy. your role here, Galaxy. Relentlessly vicious, almost dead isn't your typical apocalyptic story, Joe. Tying in conspiracy with historical flashbacks and showing how perhaps everything we've learned in our textbooks has been altered over time.
1: So that solicit was three paragraphs and one sentence long.
0: Yes, <laughs> pretty much. That's long. There is a lot in that solicit that makes me want to automatically hate this comic, but I don't do that. I promise you, though, there is not much of that solicit here in this issue. Maybe some of it's coming, but this first issue is the story of a woman that hits her head in the airport restroom and lays unconscious for three days while a zombie apocalypse takes place. Sort of like uh, 28 Days Later, Walking Dead, only, you know, nobody got shot. They just hit their head real bad. When she does wake, she spends the entire book talking to herself and passing out again, while she ignores the fact that there are definitely zombies that have overtaken the city, and that she hasn't had a drink of water for three days. (laughs) Sure, concussions make you groggy and forgetful, but they don't make you forget how reality works. Benjamin's art is pretty solid. He's still doing his J. Scott Campbell-inspired stuff, and it works fine here. It's the story and bizarre narration that sets up important set pieces like It's night, and very dark outside. Thank you, narrator. (laughs) This story might turn into a triumph of the human spirit later, complete with historical zombie conspiracy, but for now, it's just really stilted and strange and seems to be written by people who don't even know what a concussion is. I have to give this a leave it. It did not work for me. At all. On any level. (laughs) Agreed. I I didn't really like this much.
1: Um, I'm not a fan of Ryan Benjamin. I'm sorry. I did not think his art was good in this issue. It's, f- I
0: think it's fine. I'm
1: not saying good. It, if he fine. had tried a little harder to mimic J. Scott Campbell, then maybe we'd be talking. But it, I I thought it it was weak. Yeah. Um. This is a
0: leave it. I didn't care for it. I'm sorry, Ryan. And you can't switch from like godlike narrator to narration boxes that are thoughts for a character. Who is also saying all her thoughts out loud? You know, like yeah. this is my uncle's house. I guess the door is locked. I will climb up to the second-story window, which is usually right. unlocked. Like, what are what are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough.
1: All right, let's get to the scorching, as promised. It's Batman, Catwoman, colon the Gotham War dash scorched earth number one parentheses one shot. one shot don't forget that is literally copied and pasted from the solicit. so number how one it is worded. of a one shot there you go parentheses one shot from dc comics it's written by tiny howard and chip zadarsky with art by mike
0: hawthorne and nicola shamedia shamedia C- i think we decided on this one was sismesia I okay. I don't think I've ever Wala. seen that name before, but we've uh, said it before. I, re- I remember it. I don't remember what she did. I will defer to you or he did. Color Nicola Shaker. is probably a dude's name like Nikola Tesla.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, like the last name had a bunch of ac- like multiple accents over yeah. the letters that, you know, I, I didn't frankly did not
0: know how to type. Obviously so. means they're Canadian.
1: So, huh. Yeah. Colors here are by Arif Prianto. Letters by Clayton Cowles. Cover by Jorge Jimenez. It's 48 pages for 5.99. And here's your solicit. The Gotham War ends here. The final chapter of this epic crossover is here, and Batman and his family must find a way to overcome the endgame of an ancient enemy. Can the Bat and the Cat set their differences aside? Is this the end of the Bat family? Lives change forever in this action-packed conclusion. I decided to lean into the
0: Batman 66 thing a little bit by the end. I think it's fair to do that based on like how, where this story goes. Because it could have (laughs) been a Batman 66. Tune in next time. The meteor is coming (laughs) straight from the observatory.
1: (laughs) Hold it!
0: Jumping to uh, Willikers, Batman. You know.
1: <laughs> so I've been pretty down on the Gotham War storyline. I thought the premise was on shaky ground to begin with, with Batman and Catwoman fighting a war of principles, which sounds like it could work until you realize that the principles on both sides are completely ridiculous. But then it shifted gears and became about something else entirely, with the two sides teaming up again against Vandal Savage's latest quest for immortality. After reading this conclusion and this week's Batman 139, I am feeling a bit better about what's going on with Bruce specifically. And it does feel like more than yet another Batman turns his back on his family kind of story. But this issue is just a goddamn mess. It basically ignores the entire point of the Gotham War in favor of this vandal savage nonsense. Yeah. And so nothing is really resolved. The entire plot point about Catwoman's thieving trade school is just dropped. And now we're on to the next thing, I guess. I don't subscribe to Matt's usual conspiracy nonsense about Zadarsky being in over his head or whatever. And I know that he and Tiny Howard are better than this. Mike Hawthorne is an artist I've enjoyed in the past, but I hate, hate his depiction of Batman. I hate it. With his weird, blocky bat symbol. And the art in this issue is just objectively bad. I don't know if it was rushed or what, but the Gotham War crossover in general, and the conclusion here in the Scorched Earth one-shot in particular, Feels like a poorly executed exercise in editorially mandated comics. I'm giving this a leave it. Move on to the Batman. Move on to the next Batman issue if you're curious about what happens with Batman. But this crossover is bad.
0: I don't think you need any more evidence that this was some weird editorial mandated bullshit. Other than the latest Batman issue, which is just like, yeah, that's over. Don't worry about it. Sorry. Yeah, anyway. Oh, by the way, we're right. doing this yeah. now. And it's just like, it, you can feel the <clears throat> story literally change to this like ham fisted Batman 66 bad guy plot. That came out yeah. of nowhere. That doesn't make it, any sense. I split the meteor fragments into three right. secure locations. Complete. Let's beat the villains to eat. And it's complete with no. what looks like it's going to be a character sacrifice that they decided, no, let's not sacrifice that character we need for something else. And like, there's nothing it, happens. Nothing happens. I'll tell you what. If that character had
1: died, I would have at least given him credit. That, I would have been like, respect. It would have been that's something. A good, that's a good
0: death. And I, well- Yes and no. I would say it's a stupid I mean, death, and this is a weird way to do it. And why are we doing this when you have so many super friends that could help in this situation? So many. <laughs> they named and one. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, like just I'm, like I'm, I'm call Superman. Like oh, Superman's busy. And like oh, we don't know anyone else. Not, that so he's could not help. answering like, his super phone. Green Lantern couldn't help. You know, like, like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just this was bad. This was bad. The art was bad. And, and it just literally feels like this event fell apart mid-event, and it shows. Yeah. Leave it. This is terrible. I, I refuse to believe that Batman does not have a
1: button on his JLA communicator that sends out an
0: all-team alert. Right. Like a panic button. Right. Like, this is this is an Earth... An Earth... A society changing event is about to take yeah. place. Like a
1: like a press in case
0: of emergency button. And, and even that, you know what else? I'll take it one step further. And I don't want to dig into this a whole lot more and just keep beating on this book. But Vandal Savage is fucking smarter than this. He's right. smarter than this. He is yeah, he has, not gonna, has gonna big be like. Pla- I survived a fucking nuclear holocaust before. His, I'm sure I'll be fine this time.
1: His big what? his big plan was buy Batman's house and dress his villains up in a bunch of his cast off costumes. And then That's stupid. Use
0: a weird magnetic meteor to crash a meteor into an absurd. Like what? What it's, are we man, doing? It's dumb. It's and Batman dumb. Batman literally it's, figures out the plot in one panel. Goes, oh, I was wrong. It's a homing oh. device that is right out of old school Batman 66 bullshit. Oh, Seriously. And there,
1: and also there, there's the revelation that, it, that um, Batman just suddenly goes, oh yeah, by the way, I've got this immortality meteor Ugh. in the Batcave yeah, that like, he's probably was, looking for. There were it's so, like,
0: so many of these things. It's just like, what?
1: <laughs> uh, really?
0: Like, this is what we're writing?
1: Oh, I'm done. I would have preferred if the plot was to buy Wayne Manor break into the Batcave and steal the giant T-Rex and
0: use it to terrorize Gotham. That would have been sure, better. Sure, sure. I'm going to roll Batman's giant penny into the bank and rob it. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, that would make more sense. And so it came to be that the bat and the cat prowl the Gotham Knights together. Let's leave Gotham for the depths of space. Uh, the space between, in particular. Number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From yeah, Boom the Studios. The you'll find there's a lot of space between some stuff in this one, too. So, from <laughs> Boom Studios, it's 32 pages, it's 4.99. cover and art by Danny Lukert, written by Karina Bechko, with letters by Jim Campbell. Here is your solicit. Aboard the interstellar arc known as the Dodona. The populations of workers live in strictly separated social castes during the journey that will take multiple generations to complete. But everything changes when a pilot from the upper tier named Revla falls to the lower levels and meets Les. And they must risk everything for not just themselves, but all for the Dodona! Each issue in the limited series features a new pair of protagonists. I want you to focus on that for a second, okay? Okay. Each issue in the limited series features a new pair of protagonists and a new generation of humanity in a sci-fi epic of love, survival, and liberation from Hugo and Eisner Award nominated and New York Times bestselling writer Karina Bechko, who worked on The Expanse, Green Lantern, Earth One, and acclaimed comics artist Danny Lukert, who worked on Ghost Lore and The Red Mother. Betchko's script for the story comes off as sort of a sci-fi Romeo and Juliet meets Titanic, but you know, the ship hasn't split in half and crashed yet. There's some classic working class proletariat commentary here with the main character coming from the favored military class that lives at the top of the station, falling for a drone worker that farms algae far below. The art is excellent. I love mm-hmm. the design of the ships, the subtle uniform differences between classes really works, but Betchko's script moves So fast, so fast that one page at a certain point shows us a five-year time jump in frames that I guess changes the whole dynamic of the politics of the book. It's hard to know because the story stops suddenly after the time jump. The idea here is solid, but the execution is just like a little too wonky and quick. I'm going to read the second issue to see where this is going, But, like, we didn't even get to know these characters. And now we're going to switch to different characters. It's Like, they told a huge chunk of story in a very small time with characters we barely got to know anything about, and now you can forget them, because there's two new characters next issue. Well, I I mean, sort of. I guess. The idea is... It's ballsy, I'll say that. And maybe... When we read more of it, we'll go, okay, this is coming together and I can see it. For now, skim it.
1: I mean, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Uh, but I think that that whole thing is baked into the idea. Like, we know from the solicit that each issue is going to focus on a different group of people or a different couple. And so, and yeah, and, and so that time jump thing happened at the end of the issue where, you know, some stuff happens to our leads and then we see what happened five years later, you know, and, and where they're at and then they hand things off to some new people. And I don't know if it's going to be the same people in the next one that we saw at the end, at the end, that we saw at the very end. I mean,
0: Oh, maybe, maybe it's that couple. I don't know.
1: So, but uh, yeah, that's just it. Like we'll see when the next one comes out. Like,
0: so so maybe these characters are all tied together somehow. And that's the point. They better be. Cause if not, it's like, We shouldn't be in love. There's a challenge. What do we do? We'll fight for what's right. Five-year time jump. We did it. Next issue. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I think it's it's fair to say that maybe they gloss
1: over a little too much and and it would have been nice to have more breathing room. Like maybe if these issues were like extra length. Or something. Maybe. You know, we'd feel a bit a little bit better if yeah. they were like 40 pages. Or like, instead yeah, of, like a
0: 56 page know? thing, and we're like, oh man, we got a little epic there. Yeah. Wow. So
1: 32, you 32 pages means they were it was probably, you know, 25 story pages or less is yeah. my guess. Yeah. And so if this was like a 40 page thing, you know, with a little bit of breathing room, maybe that would be better. But Agreed. sure, I'll give it a skim it with the
0: caveat that I bet it reads better as a whole. We'll see. If they if they do what you're saying. And it's like a relay race more than it's just like different, a completely different you know group of people in the next one where they're like, oh yeah, those characters are in the last one. And we're handing it off to them. Well, yeah, I mean that that are,
1: will know, be less maybe emphasis. that
0: works, but right now yeah. it was a lot real quick, and you might just have to forget about it for something else next issue. <laughs> I,
1: I kind of like the relay race idea, and I find it hard. Uh, I will find it surprising if everything from this issue is ignored, but think, we
0: will see. I think Bechko... We should give her some credit, and, and honestly, that's why I'm giving a skim it. Because if they don't do that, this may have been a leave it. No, no. Well, it why do I care at all? all? Why do I care at all if we're not even revisiting this and they solved everything in one page? <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of types, of levels of like caring. if you had a Rocky movie and it built up to the big fight, and they're like, "All right, we did two and a half hours of Rocky training, overcoming, getting ready," and he, they ring the bell, and Rocky runs out, hits him once, and the guy dies. There. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, but that's a complete story. That's a complete story. I Rocky don't won. I don't disagree, but it really built up to nothing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like he knocked him out with one punch. Really? I mean, I get you. I get you.
1: Now let's hear from a guy who's never knocked that story out in one punch. It's Ultimate Universe number one from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Stefano Caselli, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, cover by Brian Hitch. It's 40 pages for $6.99, and here's your solicit. The spoils of victory! After the world's shaking conclusion of Ultimate Invasion, a new team of heroes bands together to save the future. From mastermind Jonathan Hickman and superstar artist Stefano Caselli, don't miss out on this foundational issue for the new line of Ultimate Comics. I honestly don't know how much I want to say about Ultimate Universe number one, except that Jonathan Hickman has managed to erase any trepidation I had about a return to Earth-1610, or rather, as the case may be, Earth-6160. This isn't a return to the Ultimate Universe, but a brand new universe altogether, one born from the knowledge of what came before. To say anything more than that would be a huge spoiler, so I encourage you to check it out for yourselves. As for this issue in particular, the writing is sharp, laying out Hickman's map of this new reality, but it does feel like a small part of a larger whole, so it probably should have been included as part of the Ultimate Invasion miniseries. I agree. I, I in, in fact, it, if you're reading this in trade, I bet it is. 100%. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. 100%. The, the art by Caselli is fantastic. I can't wait to see what he does on the upcoming Ultimate Black Panther book. There's a two-page preview of Peach Momoko's Ultimate X-Men as well, which is probably going to turn off a lot of readers. I think it looks great. I I, like I've really become a fan of Peach Momoko. I didn't like it. We'll see how the, we'll see how it goes. This issue was probably split into its own one shot for marketing nonsense, but it's an essential part of ultimate invasion and a
0: great setup for the all new, all different ultimate universe. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah. I don't think we should have been shocked at all that Hickman wasn't just doing the old ultimate universe. And like, it was kind of hard without knowing though, it was kind of hard to get excited. Right. At first. I mean, I, Okay, I don't disagree with that, but I applaud him for not doing it because if yeah. you, if we look at where that universe was left, it's done. It is Yo, yeah. ash. <laughs> you know, like it's over. Well, so And yeah, the yeah. maker understands that, so he's doing something new and it illustrates how brilliant this character is and how big of a threat he actually is. And I think that's ultimately where we're going to go with this. I love it. So far, I love it. And- We can see Hickman go off the rails and do whatever he wants here. Anything he wants to do. And I think that's why he's excited about this story. Because even with his ex stuff, yeah, he had some big ideas and and he switched a lot of stuff up. But you know there were things where he's like, well, I can't do that. I can't go this insane, you know. So if you want Hickman unhinged, unchangled, here you go. Unchangled. I'm giving this a buy.
1: And, and you know, like we know now from announcements that the ultimate Spider-Man book is going to be about a married Peter Parker with children who becomes Spider-Man as an adult. That's awesome. And so we already know that the new ultimate universe is something that's very, very different than what came before. And the, the hook is in this issue. Like the reason why things are like that is kind of laid out here. And I think it's very cool. And like, don't get me wrong.
0: Loved Bendis's ultimate Spider-Man amazing yeah yeah but all he really did was just tell the spider-man story a little bit with some slightly different stuff
1: (laughs) i mean not even not like not even to (laughs) dig on it at all but if they had just been doing if they had just gone back to do the same old thing we would have been mad
0: yeah i would have said don't need it don't care in fact when they first said this i said don't need it don't care yeah that's exactly right happy to be wrong there you go same move to a book that I think has the best title of the week because it sounds like a completely badass death metal band that I would get down on. This is Blood Commandment number one. And if there isn't a blood commandment out there, there needs to be one immediately. Okay. So from Image Comics. It's 32 pages. It's $3.99. I only wish they would have written the title in super scary metal font that you can't read. I think they missed Well, that would have been a step too think far. They, they got it. Missed, to they missed something there. This is written and illustrated by Simon Kurdransky with letters by Marshall Dillon. Here's your solicit. Living an isolated life in a shadowed valley surrounded by mountains and a thick forest, a father and son are terrorized by a dangerous supernatural presence. Only the father's dark secrets can save them or damn their souls for all eternity. Being a single father can be tough. Don't I know it. But for Ezra Connolly, it's a duty he doesn't take lightly. Living off-grid, away from prying eyes in the heart of the forest country... He spends his days teaching his teenage son, Will, with one L, survival skills. But Will, with one L, has questions. Questions Ezra fears to answer about his past. And about why they never leave the valley before sundown. I'll let you put that one together. A four-issue horror mini-series from the creator of the breakout hit series, Something Epic, and the artist of Spawn and Punisher. Simon Kudransky. That one's just not in all caps. Sorry, folks. Simon Kurdransky serves us a story about survival, sacrifice, and hope. Kedrans- sorry, it's Sizzimon. Sizzimon. You're right. He spells it S-Z-Y-M-O-N. Szymon Kodransky has become a one-man machine writing and drawing comics like his Something Epic title, also an image, and it's perfectly fitting for his studio imprint that he's calling one-man art. Kodransky got his start on Spawn hand-picked by Todd McFarlane, and for good reason. He's got a very dark, eerie style, and it's perfect for horror. And while I'm not a huge Spawn fan, it's easy to see what the Todd saw in Kodransky. Blood Commandment follows some very traditional horror story beats and comes complete with a painted cover that instantly remind me of movie posters like Fright Night. There is an excellent story about a single father raising his son and hiding out deep in the woods for reasons that will probably become apparent in issue two, but if you're a loyal student of classic horror like Kudransky obviously is, you'll be able to see it coming and you'll be just as excited to see where this goes as I am. Simon Kodransky looks to be creating an excellent horror comic with, with a huge heart and he's doing it all by himself. I'm giving this a buy it. I like this and something epic have impressed me so much from this guy. And before I was just sort of eh, whatever with his style, he's got a lot that he is showing off now. I agree. I thought this was really good.
1: And I like historically, I am not a fan of Simon Kodransky. Um, specifically he's done some work for Marvel and DC that I very much did not care for yeah, at all.
0: His Punisher wasn't good.
1: Um, he did. Uh, he also drew, uh, Fallen Angels, that Krakoa version of Fallen Angels oh, yeah. with Psylocke. Yeah. It was awful.
0: Yeah. Um, but, I and think then they he, were he trying to b- make him do something that he doesn't do.
1: Well, but he know? also did a bunch of feeling issues of action comics during the Bendis era. It's, it, it, they weren't good, man. Yeah, they weren't. But, Something epic and this book, like they're beautiful and they're very well written. You know, that Fright Night poster was that Fright Night cover was intentional. Oh, that, absolutely that has to be an
0: homage. 100%. No question. Y- y- he knows what he's doing.
1: And yet, can you see the twist coming? Sure. But that's not really the point of the story. The point is, the story is once the twist reveals itself, how does that character behave? How is that character living? What, what are they doing? And I think it's very compelling
0: and uh, the single dad stuff is great. This is a buy it. Absolutely. Beautiful book. Yeah. He's, he's really come into what he's good at and fine. Don't go work for the big two, man. You're better at this. Keep it up. No, no. I'm look, if you, if he can keep making this stuff,
1: if he can, if he can make for a name for himself, doing stuff like this, more power to him. Absolutely. It's, it's great. Uh, let's talk for a few minutes about another creator that is trying to make a name for himself doing whatever the hell he wants uh, with a mm, different result, <laughs> to say the least. It's Faceless and the Family number 1 from Oni Press. It's written and drawn by Matt Lesniewski. Uh It's black and white. Uh, Letters, I'm sure, are also by Matt. It's 48 pages for $7.99. I think he did absolutely everything in this. Yeah, it's a one-man, one-man art, as they say. From the magnificently distorted imagination of Eisner Award-nominated cartoonist Matt Lesniewski, we know him from Mind Management Bootleg, Crimson Flower, and The Freak, comes a new milestone in comic book storytelling that must be seen to be believed. Faceless and the Family... On the broken and warped world known as the Hand Planet, the Wanderer, simply called Faceless, ekes out an existence on the margins to escape the shame that cost him his name and his identity. Exiled for his crimes, Faceless now calls the Wastelands his home, until the good fortune of fate delivers him a mismatched band of fellow travelers who will soon become family if they can survive a suicidal mission into the hand planet's class segregated finger cities to restore what lies beneath Faceless's helmet and, with it, his hope in humanity. A lot going on in that. Oh, yeah. Matt Lesniewski's latest explosion of artistic insanity doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of story in its 48 pages. Everything that happens is more or less stated right there in the solicit. And yet... Reading this single issue felt like a whole-ass therapy session. Issues like purpose, body dysmorphia, and self-worth are all explored. In some cases, a character literally carries their own baggage on their backs. Faceless's insistence that there's something about himself that needs fixing, despite encouragement to the contrary from his friends, is something that's going to hit home for a lot of readers. All of this is done in front of an extraordinary backdrop of bleak environments from devastated wastelands to impossible cities. Lesniewski's character designs are over the top and speak to each character's personality and insecurities. The art here is simply unreal. Faceless in the Family Number 1 is a tremendous debut issue from an artistic madman and, like the solicit says... It needs to be seen to be believed. I'm giving this a buy it.
0: I thought it was extraordinary. Yeah, Les- Lesniewski is a crazy person in the best way, like a Terry Gilliam type filmmaker, where there's this massive set piece and these incredibly like detailed, beautiful scenes that are so full of madness. But the story is like right there. It's actually pretty simple and in your face. You know, yeah. <laughs> like as to what's going on. His art, my God, it, this is like one of those like those weird documentaries where you hear about like, oh, it was, just seemed like this guy that lived across the street. And then when he died, we went in his house, and it turns out he was this masterful painter that made these incredible murals all over his walls yeah, that don't yeah. make any sense, you know? <laughs> no, it, this book is incredible, absolutely incredible. And it, it's it's hard for me to be like, Go out and buy this. You're gonna love it. Because look, this he's doing a thing. And as wild and as incredible as it is, it's not gonna be for everybody. There, I can see a lot of people looking at it be like, sure, the pictures are pretty, but I don't get this at all. It doesn't make any sense. I'm giving it a buy it because this is a, a masterpiece. It is incredible art. He is he's doing a thing. It's absolutely his insane brain spilled all over the pages, but I can definitely see how a lot of people are going like, I didn't get it.
1: <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, you know, there are books that we give a skim it because we love them, but we know they're not going to be for everybody. I and can't then there do are that. Books yeah. Th- then there are books that we give a buy it for the exact same, even though the reasons are exactly the same. Right. right. And I think that a book like this, which is just such an artistic achievement and like uh, the visual storytelling alone. You can't deny it. Uh, like, yeah, it's 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 a buy it.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, just,
1: just look at it. The book's just main
0: problem is it might be too genius for some people. <laughs> like, that's its biggest yes. issue. New comics from Wednesday, November 8th. I like to pick the simple stories about race cars and cigar chump and robots like Petrolhead, number one. It's easier for my brain. This is from Image Comics. The cover and art is by Pi Par, and it's written by Rob Williams. Here's your solicit. Jump straight into the non-human race with 42 Robo-Gorgeous lawn tissue story pages. Yes, that's right. Robo-Gorgeous. I
1: forgot about that.
0: In a climate crisis-ravaged future metropolis, an old, grumpy, obsolete, smoke-belching, cigar-chomping, hot-rod-racing robot is one 12-year-old girl's only hope. Together, can they outrace the chasing Robo-Cops? with an invention that might just save humanity. While Rob Williams wrote the story, everything else you see in this comic, the art, the color, the inks, and the letters, were all by pie par. And the entire package looks amazing. I cannot say enough about his design of the robots, and even the larger post-apocalyptic world, with humans living inside glass-domed cities dominated by robots that control them— with sports entertainment fixed to keep them entertained, basically. The book just looks amazing, and William's story succeeds in pulling you in even further. I loved the cigar-chomping old racer robot and his talking robot bird partner coming to the aid of humans that have otherwise looked at robots as lower class, even if they were programmed with feelings to make their races more intriguing. This is an excellent first issue that sets up an entire world just effortlessly with the help of some amazing art. I'm giving this a buy it. There was so much about the main character that did like this Ben Grimm thing for me where like he's this big lovable lug that like people, you know, just think he's a moron or whatever, but you know what? He's got feelings. And at the end of the day, he does the right thing. Damn it. (laughs) It's a great book
1: for sure. And you know what? The bird steals the show. Oh, the yeah. Robot bird steals the show for me. Um, uh, I was reading along and I was like, yeah, I was enjoying myself and I was thinking, oh yeah, this is so fun. And then the bird tases a dude from its ass. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like a bird would crap on us, uh, crap on you from the sky. It like tased it. Right. It right. <laughs> was like, okay, I got it. Um, but yeah, the talking bird, uh, loved and, I agree. This was phenomenal. I thought this was a fantastic world building from Williams and Parr. Parr's art does so much heavy lifting. Like, yeah. like this is not a slight on Robbie Williams. Uh, Robbie Williams. This is not a slight on Williams at all. But Pi Parr's art does so much to convey the world that they're living in. Yeah. That it's it it can't be denied. And you know what? We say it all the time. You know what's hard to show. Uh, what's hard to convey in comics? Car chases, sure. Or racing, yeah. Or starship races, or robots that
0: don't emote, yeah. You know, like this book does it all. Yeah, this book's it's crazy. crazy. The car, the
1: racing in this book is like super exciting. It's great, huge buy. It I love Petron. <laughs> all right, enough of this hand planet and dome city nonsense. Let's take things back down to Earth, a simpler time. 1978 with Superman 78 colon the metal curtain. Number one from DC it's written by Robert Venditti with art by Gavin Guidry colors by Jordy Belair letters by Dave Lampier of a larger world. Okay,
0: Dave fancy pants. Uh, all right. <laughs> Maybe is it in you know, a cult or something? <laughs> I think that might be the name of the studio. I assume okay.
1: it's 32 pages for three ninety-nine. Here is your solicit. <clears throat> When the planet Krypton exploded, its last sun was rocketed across the cosmos and came to settle in a small town in Kansas. But what else came with him? And what if a piece of his home landed somewhere we never knew about? As Superman has become a symbol of strength and pride for America, the Soviet Union looks to crush that image with a creation of their own, built by their own might and forged by their own power. Robert Venditti returns to the Man of Steel with new artist Gavin Guidry. Welcome aboard, Gavin. He's good. Yeah. The adventures of Richard Donner and Christopher Reeves' Superman continue in this new volume, introducing an all-new, all commie version of Metallo. Venditti's dialogue is pitch-perfect and delivers several moments that could have stepped right off the screen. But it also feels like we've done all this before. Gavin Guidry's art is perfectly decent, and the characters are reminiscent of their real-life counterparts without an over-reliance on photo reference, which I appreciated. There's not a thing wrong with this comic. Superman 78, The Metal Curtain number 1, is good, even. There just isn't anything that exciting about it. Kind of like telling the same story over over and over, because we know they can't really progress past it too much. It may be time to admit that these cinematic throwback titles have run their course. I'm giving this a strong skim
0: it because it's good. But, you know, there's only so many times you can ring the bell. I am absolutely shocked because I feel like you wrote my review. And had I said it, you would have fought me on this <laughs> because it just no. seems like this, it's, this is so perfectly like, hey, Joe. You love this. This is what you want. And we're going to do the thing. And I do. And like, I honestly thought I was going to come in and battle you over this because I was going to say the same exact thing. There's nothing wrong with it. They do a perfectly good job. The art is good. But why are we still doing these Superman 78 stories? Like, who who, who is this for? It's like a snow globe, right? uh,
1: You can shake a snow globe and it's pretty. But then the 10th time you shake the snow globe, you're like, okay, I get it. Right. Yeah, you know, that's just I it. Know.
0: Like, I, I just don't know why we're still doing these. Is it clever? Sure. Does Venditti write a, a good script? Yeah, no doubt. Like, I could hear Margot Kidder right in my head. You know, it's, hey, I'm a superman. You know, <laughs> like, it was all right there, you know? I but mean, it's certainly for somebody. I'm just, it's just not really for me. Yeah, I'm finding it hard to care about these anymore. Just skim it for me. But I honestly thought you and I were going to fight about this one. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. Like, I reckon, look, look, I'm, I recognize its quality, but I also recognize that, like, if I want this, if I want something like this, I'll just watch Superman.
0: Yeah. And wish that Superman 3 was a better movie. I don't know. (laughs) know? (laughs) Well, it's better than Superman 4. Well, sure. I mean, a lot of things are. (laughs) Uh, Superman's bad. I'll say he was. I mean, he was bad. I don't even know how to properly introduce this one because it's so goddamn weird. This is Zawa and the belly of the beast. How's that? It's from Boom Studios. It's 32 pages for $4.99. Technically introduced. Good job. (laughs) It's technically introduced. It's written, illustrated, colored, and lettered by Michael Dialnis. Here's your solicit. Trapped inside her mountain by pollution-spewing factories, the guardian spirit Zawa only has industrial waste to eat, leading her to a bitter existence of paranoia and destruction. But when two siblings from a nearby village help her escape, they'll quickly learn that the way to calming Zawa's heart is through a well-nourished stomach. Glad, award-winning Eisner Award-nominated cartoonist Michael Dialness, who worked on Wind, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Crafts a charmingly macabre eco-fable about nature, greed, the dangers of retribution, and good food shared amongst friends.
1: A lot of, uh, a lot of Monsters Plus Food comics yeah. going around these yes. days. <laughs> no one uh, that's li- a that's list that was also three paragraphs, by the yes. way. I am
0: keeping track. Yes, it was. And I think it needed to be because if you just read the comic, you might be like, what was this? No <laughs> right. one will argue that Michael Dialinus is an immense art talent, this book, Absolutely glows with this amazing animated style and incredible colors. But the story, I was going to say it never quite grabbed me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what the story is. Maybe I got lost in the visuals, which is easy when the yeah. detail is this intensely beautiful. There's some themes of pollution and factory food poisoning the masses, I guess. But they never come together for anything in an actual narrative other than... Good guys appreciate good food, and I guess bad guys are feeding a god industrial waste. I'm just not sure why.
1: Maybe to poison the planet? I don't know. Uh,
0: I don't get it. Maybe. Like, I didn't get it either, man. Yeah, like, and if that is the case, then that's like some real, like, TMNT cartoon mutant plan. You know, like, we're going to poison the river because- Shits and giggles. <laughs> you know, like, he, um, right. right.
1: But it's like if their plan was we kidnapped Captain Planet and chained him up in the basement, and now we're feeding him toxic waste yeah. to ruin planet Earth. It's like, mm, okay. I
0: guess. But, but why? Ultimately, Zawa is a beautiful mess without a whole lot of story that I could pick up on. Dialinus, as good as he is an illustrator, might need a little help to rein in his storytelling. Or maybe it all comes together in issue two. I can't say there was enough to bring me back to find out, though, other than his amazing art. I'm getting this to skim it. Dude is so talented. But, yeah, maybe get a writer buddy to, to help you rein that in a little bit. You know, just a yeah. little. <laughs> just a little I, bit.
1: I agree. You know, I'm, And I also, I feel I'm guilty of getting lost in the art. Because this book is gorgeous. Like I It's poured incredible. Over the art. It's incredible. The coloring is so beautiful. Yeah. And so by the end of it, I was like, what? I don't what's I don't even understand what's the what is the plot. Right. And then this. then I read the solicit. And I'm like, well, OK, but yeah. But so I understand what the solicit says. And I look and I read the story, but I'm still. I'm still kind of unsold or un. Not unimpressed, but like. There's no
0: hook. No, no, there's no hook. It didn't hook. come together. It it's didn't just, come together. For like me. when I listen to certain like prog bands, prog rock or prog metal, and you're like, okay, you guys are wildly talented. There's no question. You're amazing at what you do. But like I sit back and I'm like, well, what part of that song do I remember? There was no hook. Nothing yeah. grabbed you. Nothing pulled you in. You went, Oh yeah, this part. Like a nod my head. No, you just have to just watch what we're doing. You know? Like, it's okay. like you, you spend
1: the whole you spend the whole comic waiting for the beat to drop and yes. then the beat never drops.
0: Right. Exactly. It, 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 and,
1: yeah. So, I don't know. It's a skimmy. It's a strong skimmy. Because, again, I it can't be overstated how gorgeous this comic is. It's very, very just good a, looking.
0: Just a skimmy for me. <laughs> Otherwise, just make an art book. Oh, come on. Just make an art book. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: All right. laughs> Let's talk about something a lot more straightforward, like a centuries-long civil war between Factions of a sentient race of robot machines that come to Earth in search of energy, but crash land and are stuck here and some of them turn into dinosaurs.
0: While simultaneously revealing that we missed a week when the highest selling comic book of the year came out.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, these things happen. I included that in my review. Okay. (laughs) It's the Transformers number two from Image Comics. It's written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson with colors by Mike Spicer. Letters by Russ Wooten. It's 32 pages for 3.99. And here's your solicit. The smash hit series continues. The Decepticons have been unleashed. As Optimus Prime and the Autobots regroup, Starscream terrorizes humanity. This issue features a surprising
0: first Energon universe appearance. You know what? That's right. It, it does. That's how you write a solicit. There you go. Short. One sentence. To the point. Everything you need to know. Get on board.
1: (laughs) As Matt said, we skipped a week uh, when Transformers number one came out. So I'm excited to finally be able to talk about the generation one reboot from DWJ and skybound to catch you up on the story. So far, Cybertron is fucked. (laughs) Centuries of a war for depleting resources has sent a group of Autobot warriors and scientists to the stars in search of a new power source. Unfortunately, an extremist faction called the Decepticons attacked the Autobots' starship, causing it to crash land on Earth. It's not too far removed from the classic Transformers origin story, except for two key points. First, it seems as though the crash was very recent, as hinted in the first issue. Uh, Historically, they crash land millions of years ago, hence the Dinobots. Second, there isn't enough energon to go around, and some of the Cybertronian refugees are just not going to wake up. That game over, guys. Sorry, Bumblebee. Johnson delivers fresh takes on some classic Transformers-supporting characters and manages to humanize the Autobots while turning the Decepticons into a truly imposing menace to mankind. While Starscream, Skywarp, and Soundwave terrorize the workers of a nearby power plant, Like, literally, Starscream is capital E evil in this. DWJ gives us our first look at a beloved character that will feature prominently in future Energon Universe titles. If you've been paying attention to the solicit or to the ads in the back of the Skybound books, you'll probably be able to guess who it is. Johnson's art is incredible, and his frenetic line work, Spicer's Beautiful Colors, and Wooten's insane lettering come together to form a Devastator-esque artistic combination. I knew that the Transformers would be in good hands with Daniel Warren Johnson. If you're not as convinced after these first two issues as I am, then I don't know what is wrong
0: with you. This gets a huge buy-it. Daniel Warren Johnson's just doing the thing. He's doing it and he's he's doing doing it on Transformers. And like, I don't know what to call it. You call it a frenetic art style, but he does this thing where like he draws something that's either big or moving really fast or really violent. And it's like vibrating, like the out of focus, almost almost like motion blur. Yeah. In like a movie or a video game. And like does a panel where Starscream lands right in front of like, as the cops are like, so let me get this straight, a giant robot attack this place, you know? And they're like, I'm telling you, man, Bang! Starscream lands and like kills a dude, and you're just like, "Whoa!" (laughs) Oh yeah! Like with little things like that, like they're just murdering uh, people, you know. Just on,
1: but on that topic, uh, the Transformers have an almost tangible sense of weight. Yeah, in this comic, definitely. I don't. That I think is very easy to gloss over in like oh, the older stuff. For sure. Like Optimus Prime accidentally kills a deer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know? Just doesn't even see it. Stomps stomp on it.
0: Now, yeah. we do have a buddy of ours on the uh, on our Discord who worked at IDW on several Transformers comics. He did point out some things like why are they all you know, already in their robot form, like oh, an, cars was and that, stuff.
1: Was that Jim or was that Joe Reynolds? I, believe, I forget. I, I think may, it was Jim. It mu- maybe
0: it was Jim. I think it was Jim. And little things like how you're going to explain mm. the dino bots if this is what's going on. Like we'll well, we there. don't know that there's going to be any Dinobots. Yes, yeah, I'm not. There better be some goddamn dino bots. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, right? I know that and you know that, but right now it's question mark. I, know, I want my money back. All right, but I'm in. I think Daniel Warren Johnson's the perfect creator to do this. He's not doing anything big and heady with it or change anything or flipping it and reversing it. It's just a Transformers and it's badass and it's fun to read. And they introduced a character here that you went, oh, rad. Yeah, like (laughs) I literally, I literally almost
1: (laughs) threw my fist in the air and yelled the catchphrase. Yeah,
0: this is a comic book that makes me feel like a kid on a dirt bike. You know, like road somewhere (laughs) to read a badass comic. You know, and smoke cigarettes and choke, (laughs) or whatever. Like this rules. Buy it. Seems to happen once a year, but Thanos is back. This time it's Thanos 2023, number one. In hog form. <laughs> yeah. It's from Marvel. It's 40 pages. It's 4 dollars Cover by Linneal Francis Yu with art by Luca Pizzari. It's written by Christopher Cantwell. Colors by Ruth Redman. And letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Yeah, apparently he took it easy this week and only had to do one book. Here is your solicit. <laughs> Thanos versus the Illuminati. The new Illuminati! The mad titan descends upon Earth to retrieve something he has lost, and the Illuminati must band together to stop him, because they're the ones who hid it from him. Always with these guys. Thanos is back again! He does the coming back thing a lot, I know. But this time, he's coming after a girl that works in a cafe in Fresno named Roberta. Yeah, Okay, and the latest version of the Illuminati, Iron Man, the Blue Marvel, Doctor Strange, Emma Frost, and Reed Richards know how important Roberta is to Thanos' plan, so they're trying to inter- intercept her first. Carol does a nice job setting up Roberta's life and making her relatable, but unless she ends up being like, Moon dragon, you know, Thanos's daughter. I'm not sure I'm gonna end up caring. <laughs> I think she's death. I don't need another child of Thanos, but I do trust Cantwell to make to take me on a fun ride. I mean, like, if she's death, they're gonna have to really explain that one. I don't know. Pazari's art is very good, aside from all his characters' mouths being slightly open at all times. I love his Thanos riding a New Gods-inspired Mobius chair, but some of his face work just gets wonky. You know, and it's not just because, like, well, yeah, it's Reed Richards. He's stretching weird. No, he's just sitting there having a conversation, so... To be honest, I'm a little over Thanos at this point. He's been used a lot since the MCU featured him as their big bad, but, like I said... I do trust Cantwell. Kind of want to see where this is going. I'm going to give it a skim it for now. It's it's all set up and fine. I just, I'm finding it hard to get excited about Thanos coming back when he comes back he, twice a year, every <laughs> year,
1: <laughs> you know? So I'd have to check because I think that there has been Thanos projects in the meantime, but the um, intro page, the the recap page, talks about what happened in Thanos and it says that he gets, um, you know, he was killed or sucked into the black hole. Yeah. And that was in Donny Cates's guardians of the galaxy. Number one, that was years ago. He's definitely now. been that back since then. Ago. Yeah. Those may have been flashback stories. I wonder, but because the, this says Thanos hasn't been seen since is what it says. And then it makes a point of saying Thanos used to date death, but they broke up anyway. Yeah, uh, On to what's going on with Roberta. I and was like, "Oh, Roberta is death."
0: I hope it's not that obvious.
1: Uh, well, it, yeah, I mean that would seem obvious. You know right. what? I I can't believe it. Like, despite myself, I'm I also was like, I don't care about Thanos uh, coming back in an, uh, in his own book. I don't I don't care enough about Thanos. But I actually did really like this. I'm giving it a buy it. Okay. I, I thought I love the take that like. The Illuminati hid this girl, Roberta, in plain sight, like it that much is clear, like she is obviously not Roberta, whatever, like they hid her and 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 altered memories or whatever. Sure, sure. And and something's going on with that. And there's a lady that recognizes her and and Thanos is after her and we don't know why it's a whole thing. And I love, I think Cantwell did a great job with the dialogue. I thought, uh, Roberta's like internal monologue about like, you know, punching the clock and going through the motions and blah, blah, blah. And bleak, it's bleak and bleak. Sure, And then, sure. Yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. Like I, I kind of get it. And so I'm curious. I, I thought the art was okay. It does get a little weird, but yeah. yeah, I like, I liked this more than I was
0: expecting. I'm giving it a buy it. I Sorry. No, I'm glad you're excited. I, I'm just a little over Thanos. I don't know if yeah. excited is the word. Now, if it turns <laughs> but out- But I if, did enjoy it. If she turns out to be death and it's like, oh, she's like this gothy chick with black fingernails and like, you know, where's a choker's? Okay. Well, couldn't have broadcasted that any louder, could you? Yeah. I mean, but-, <laughs> you
1: know? Know, but, on the, but also, I hope like, it's not
0: that. If it's not that, maybe this story is better. But if it is that- We'll see. We'll you can, see. You can do better, guys.
1: We've also, you know, I think there might be. I, I would need to check with our our um, in-house Thanos expert, aura McWilliams. But I think that they have outright stated in stories that Thanos is has just like spread his loving all over the universe, and he's probably got tons of kids out I'm there. I'm sure. I'm sure. And yeah. we've only met three. Yeah. Uh, he's Nebula, a, Gamora, who's adopted, and Uh, Thane from Infinity. Yeah,
0: he's a hip swinging uh, who, giant dude. And, he's Probably and, and hung and like you, a horse. And, and, he's out there partying. You know, I yeah, get man, it. he's not Yeah, he's sewn as well though. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I I liked this though. It's a buy. It. No so one is my evil. Oh. Don't act so big.
1: Let's wrap things up with another book that I liked. Um. Mm more than i thought i was going to i won't say a lot more but definitely more than i was expecting it is punisher number one from marvel comics it's written by david peepos with art by dave wachter colors by dan brown letters by here he is vcs cory pettit cover by rod rice gorgeous cover by rod rice, it is a gorgeous is cover. so talented it's 40 pages for 5.99 here is your solicit Is this the return of Frank Castle or the start of something else? Frank Castle has disappeared, but evil will always need to be punished. With all new threats arising to claim innocent victims, criminals will need to beware of a dangerous vigilante hunting them down from the shadows. Who is the new Punisher? What put him on his path of vengeance? And when the smoke clears, will he even make it out alive? It's John Wick meets the Fugitive! Yeah, I get it now Uh, in this action packed new saga from Ringo Award winning writer David Pupose from Savage Avengers and Moon Knight City of the Dead and Eisner and Harvey Award nominated artist Dave Wachter from Planet of the Apes and X-Men Legends as the Marvel Universe meets the next generation of punishment. Within the first few pages of the latest Punisher number one, we learn that the character in question is retired S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Joe Garrison. This is not a spoiler, as Marvel announced as much in the months preceding the series' release. More accurately, he was S.H.I.E.L.D.'s quote-unquote grave digger. I do not know what that means, but I'm sure we'll get there. David Peepo's intersperses our first look at the new Punisher in action, with scenes of a pair of detectives investigating the murder of his family. Unfortunately for Joe... By fleeing the scene to get revenge, he's made himself the prime suspect. I hate it when that happens. Well, I mean, you got to think. <laughs> you I know? Mean, so, Stop I mean, think. hence John Wick meets the fugitive. People's story is, it's solid. And his dialogue has an old school comic book cadence, especially with the bad guys. Yeah,
0: the bad guys got a little mustache twiddling. I mean, they were minute. like, mm-hmm, you yeah. will not spoil my plan, yeah.
1: my But I like that. I like I confess, I liked it. Dave Walker's art is great. And his depiction of the surprise villain later in the issue is super gross. His design for the new Punisher is pretty cool. And I like how it's basically cobbled together with old shield gear that Garrison has repurposed for his mission rather than him wearing like a Punisher outfit. Sure. Like you can sure. even look if you look at it, he's got the like the shield logo on the shoulder, like all the old shield costumes. Did. Right. But it's, like, scratched out, so you can't, it doesn't really, you don't see the eagle. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. However, it seems like a pretty big reach that his outfit just
0: happens to sort of look like Frank's. Joe, it's not a pretty big reach. That's stupid.
1: (laughs) Okay. so (laughs) That's flat out stupid. He's wearing ballistic chest plates. Right. Okay, fine. They have little glowing spots on them um okay that seems bad
0: for business if you're creeping around in the dark but all right right
1: (laughs) i mean you're the grave digger so maybe don't put light don't light your boobs up i don't know uh but then dude didn't stop he put three big ammo pouches right in the middle of his glowing chest white and
0: ammo pouches dude
1: didn't stop to notice that they look like frank's skull teeth yeah For a guy who wasn't looking to adopt that role in Frank's absence, he sure is leaning into it. Punisher number one, look, it's good. It's certainly entertaining and it's beautifully drawn. The thing is, aside from some small details, it's pretty indistinguishable from a Frank Castle story. There isn't enough about Joe and his personal motivations to make him stand apart, at least not yet. Like I said, Punisher number one is good, but it needs to establish its own identity real quick. Otherwise, it's just going to be the same old Punisher with a slightly different paint job. I'm going to give it a buy it because I was shocked that I enjoyed it. I was dreading it, but I read it and I was like, okay, kudos. This is well done. Okay. But if they, don't, like, if, if they don't make great strides... In setting Joe apart from Frank somehow,
0: then what are we doing? Let me ask you, what are those strides going to be? We established that his origins almost exactly the same. His family was killed. The only difference is nobody thinks Frank killed his family. That's basically the, the biggest difference. That's it. And he's got a rail gun instead of, like, Uzis and crap. Sure, he's got kind of high-techy stuff. And, like, for all the same reasons that you mentioned this, I got to give it a skim it. Because right now, he is indistinguishable from the Punisher, other than the fact that he's got laser guns. And didn't notice there was a skull on his chest. That (laughs) is dumb. Sort of skull. Not really, just kind of, sort of. dumb, Joe. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Like... uh (laughs)
1: I so what I question is this like Frank is deranged, right? Like he's his in his mania, his mission is to kill all criminals, right? He's a psychotic killer, but this guy's not a psychi- psychotic killer. No, he just wants to get revenge on the people that killed his family. So, what happens if and when he does? Okay, there, there, this is where
0: I'm going with this. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Well, it's issue it's number this, one, and I'm this character- give, I liked the first issue enough to give them some. Fair, Some leeway. but is this character going to be around for a long time? Am I supposed to get it like invested know. in this? And if so, why is he already so much like the Punisher, you know, but not the Punisher? What are we doing? I mean, he's even kind of got a microchip. Yes, you know? I feel like they just you missed a chance to tell a different type of story where like in the wake of the Punisher disappearing, the Punisher becomes an idea. And there's things, there's people that are doing it wrong, you know. It's sort of like what we talked about in like our our extra well, like suicide in Suicide Run, but yeah. they did that right, but they've done that already. I get they've done that, but that would still be more interesting to update than kind of what I got here. Is there anything wrong, with comic? No, it's perfectly good Punisher story. But all like at any point, you could swap out this character and stick Frank right oh, in yeah, there. It's a palette swap, and it's it, fine. It just it's and, like if you and then up, if you're on, it would be if you're a fine st- Punisher story at best. Not even great.
1: Just fine.
0: Yeah. I'm giving it's, this a skim. It's,
1: it. it's like if you were on the uh, character selection screen for Street Fighter 2. And you pressed the wrong button. And you got, you know, Ken in a white outfit in, instead of a red outfit or whatever. Whatever it was. The palette swap. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... I guess where I come down on it is that your mileage may vary. Like you might read this and then like me say, okay, well, they're setting up a story. We'll see where it goes. I liked it enough to keep going. It's a buy it. Or you might read it and like you say, I don't, they didn't do enough to make me care enough to come back for the next one.
0: They're just, they're not setting them apart enough to make me go, oh, wow, this Punisher is different. Well, but what are we going to do? What are they really going to do? I get it. I get it. I,
1: I understand. Uh, that just means that, you know, people will have to decide for themselves whether or
0: not they care sure. enough to keep reading. So far, it's a skim it. It's, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Could have been that's Frank, fair. but it's not. Okay. It's, I, that's totally fair.
1: You can find links in our show notes for more details on these comics, but now it's time to pick the one comic to put in the THN Permanent Collection Matt Bomb. How
0: many copies of the Punisher number one can I put you down for? Yeah, I really like Petrolhead. I, I, and, and I know in, spoiler alert, Joe told me he's going to pick that one. But I think I got to give it to Blood Commander. I think what Kodransky's doing there is just so impressive. And it's, like you said, from a creator that I, I also never cared a whole lot about. And there's something so refreshing about seeing someone like that. Figure out what they're good at and just blossom into this mega creator. Speaking of which, English is not his first language. And he's writing this yeah, well. Yeah, I mean,
1: Matt, his name is Sizzy Mom.
0: There's help. There's. He says, he, like, in the front, it's like so-and-so helps, you know, translate this. But there is nothing stilted about that dialogue at all. Like, this seems like it could have been written by anyone that we know. I really liked it. I'm going with Blood Commandment.
1: And you know what? That's fair. And like, there are all sorts of caveats, you know, like I, if, if we had been talking about transformers, number one, that would have been, that would have been it without even questioning. Oh, sure. But it's number two, you know, it's number two. So, and ultimate universe, number one, I loved it, but it's really the start of something bigger and the end of something that already, that exactly. Exactly. So like, and as much as I loved faceless and the family. Um, Petrol Head was just so much fun and so endearing, and, and so well told and beautifully drawn. Like it's Petrol Head for me.
0: Fair. It was a hard, it was hard for me to pick between those two. Definitely.
1: There are no wrong answers except for Batman, Catwoman,
0: Colin the Gotham Morning. Yeah, one, one. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> like, and if you come to me, you're like, no way. I thought it was great. I'm just be like i mean no look, it's, look, look. no it's not you know what i'm glad that you like if if you if you liked it out there and you know who you are i we'll will see how you feel when you read the conclusion yeah i will yuck your yum if you still like this i'll do it but it didn't work no. for me or matt After a long review session, Joe and I typically retire to the THM Sanctum Sanctorum where, surrounded by our collection of eldritch tomes and evil dark black artifacts, so we can discuss our must-read picks for next week. Joe Patrick, what should these nerds be picking up at their LCX next Wednesday, November 15th?
1: My pick for next Wednesday is Planetary, I mean, Outsiders, number one from DC Comics, it's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. It's got art by Robert Carey, a cover by Roger Cruz of all people. Oh. Yeah. Out of the blue. Roger oh. Cruz. 40 pages for 4.99. Um it's basically the DC the Dawn of DC DC Universe version of Planetary. The drummer's there. Um, Luke Fox is dressed like Elijah snow. This ain't basically that investigating
0: what this is. It is,
1: it is like it, like it, there's, I can think of one very strong reason why they didn't just call it planetary and we don't need to talk about that, but it's essentially planetary, but with DC characters and a brand new version of the drummer, I love that. I love the idea of a group of people investigating the weird left behind remnants of the multiverse.
0: Yeah. I liked it when we did it before. <laughs> Let's see. Look, I'm thing. not saying they're not going to pull it off. They, if it's great. But this great. is within the shared. This is within the shared DC universe. Though, skeptical. So that's a little, a little skeptical. That's all I'm saying. Skeptical. It's going to be fine. My we like the. These are your boys. Kelly and Lansing. They're your guys. Hey, I don't disagree. I'm skeptical. All right. My pick for next week is The Deviant, number one from Image Comics. It's 48 pages for $4.99. This is written by James Tinian, the four, with art by Josh Hickson. Here is your solicit. As snow falls over Milwaukee in 1972, a bloodstained Santa Claus commits unimaginable atrocities against young men. 50, 50 years later, A troubled young writer interviews this so-called deviant killer who still maintains his innocence from behind bars and as Christmas approaches once again the past returns wielding a sharpened axe. Eisner winning writer James Tinney and the 4 who works on World Tree, The Department of Truth and acclaimed artist Joshua Hickson who worked on The Plot and Children of the Woods unite for a pitch black holiday horror story. It's a holiday comic we, we love couldn't get a holiday comics. We couldn't get a Christmas themed <laughs> pun in here, James, like
1: Silent Night, Deadly Night. I like something like
0: that. James is a little too good for that, and this sounds Please. like Please. This is gonna be hard to read (laughs) this is going to be brutal everyone knows that puns are the highest form of humor no i would disagree i am very excited for this though i love all the horror stuff tinian's been doing i understand world tree is not for everyone i think you guys are babies but i love it (laughs) from uh you know what
1: from what i've heard World Tree kind of transcends the things that I did not like about the first That's issue. what I've been saying since I'm, the first I'm willing issue. I'm to revisit it. I just haven't revisited it's it yet. It's friggin' fantastic. Fine, fine, whatever. The THN trade of the week for November 15th is X-Men Grand Designed Trilogy trade paperback from Marvel. It's written and drawn by Ed Piskor. It's 264 pages for $39.99. It's gotta be big, right? It's gotta be oh, yeah. oversized it's, it's trim. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Here's your solicit. Over six tumultuous decades, the X-Men have carved a singular place in comic book lore and popular culture. Now, New York Times best-selling author Ed Pisker from Hip Hop Family Tree and WYSIWYG takes you on a pulse-pounding tour of X-Men history unlike anything you've ever experienced before. An intricate labor of love that stitches together hundreds of classic and obscure stories into one seamless X-Men masterpiece. All three volumes of Pisker's Grand Design series are collected in a single book, taking you from Professor X's formation of the original team, through the second genesis of the all-new, all-different X-Men and the devastating Dark Phoenix saga, to 1980s epics such as Inferno that pushed kind to the brink of x Extinction. This collects X-Men Grand Design 1 and 2, Grand Design Second Genesis 1 and 2 and Grand Design Extinction 1 and 2. Now when I looked up this book on the Diamond site for um the information, it didn't list a hardcover or the, an omnibus. I think this is a this is a new edition. Like I understand that they've done an yeah. omnibus, but This is, yeah, the Grand Design Trilogy for the first time in one soft cover volume.
0: Fully collected in a soft cover volume. And you can't beat it at 40 bucks. It's wonderful. And if you don't know anything about Ed Piscor, he's an amazing creator. But these Grand Design books were sort of like... Here's the history as I kind of remember it, and made it work in my head. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's like a
1: paraphrase. It's like
0: yeah. a, almost like a drunk history like of the X Men. It's like Ed Pisner's yeah. drunk Cliff's Notes of the X Men, yeah, yeah. and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's so great. And, there, and there's like things like that he lifted like from cartoons and video games. There's like, oh, you know what? That would fit better and make that connect, and just sort of forces it in there. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. We don't want to just be screaming at you to buy stuff. Why don't you nerds tell us what you are reading next week. And you can let us know at our Discord. Be sure to put these comics on your full list if you want to read along with us. And tune in to hear us review them on this damn show.
1: it's almost time to file this episode away in our long boxes but before we go here's a sneak peek of the amazing content that you get access to when you support THN on patreon for as little as one dollar per month
0: when you've got a comic book related question there's only one place to go google no you cannot trust the illuminati powered ai that runs google joe when you have nerdy questions you need a real nerd or even better A nerd with two heads that can Google an answer for you. That's why we invented our Ask a Nerd Extra. You can post your question in our Ask a Nerd channel on our Discord or shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Joe Patrick, what do we have today? This time our Ask a Nerd question
1: comes from a Punisher novice who hit us through our website contact form. Chris writes, quote, Hey guys. I bumped into Matt recently at our buddy's going away party at Legend Comics and Coffee. He had just shaved his beard and looked terrible. Kidding, of course, but we did joke about it and, Matt, grow it back. I know, I know, thank you. Seconded, please. God. We got on the subject of the new Punisher comic and a new character taking the mantle after Frank was shunted off to Weird World or something in his last ninja demon Whatever adventure. I think Ninja Demon check- Adventure
0: is a really good way to explain what happened.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it was a Ninja Demon Adventure or a Demon Ninja Adventure, yeah, depending two. on how you... Well, Ninja first, it. then
0: Demon. He slowly... Uh, you know, yeah.
1: Why not? Yeah. Uh, Chris, again, I'll check out the new Punisher character if I get around to it. I've never been a big fan, but I did like the recent Jason Aaron story. But I wanted to know how many characters have taken up the mantle of the Punisher in the main Marvel
0: 616 continuity, end quote. It's a good question. So no amalgam, no 2099. Chris is looking for other characters that took the Punisher's name, became the Punisher, if you will, in regular Marvel continuity when Frank was taking a break or dead or everyone thought he was dead. And that's important because there's a lot that happened while everybody thought he was dead. Sure,
1: (laughs) I mean the, the dead part doesn't really factor into it but yeah these are doesn't need to factor
0: into it these no. are basically
1: people that you would find in the handbook listed as Punisher 2, Punisher sure, 3, etc. Sure.
0: Let's start with ladies first cuz it's only polite and one of the most sexist things that Marvel liked to do in the 90s rather than give a character a new name we can just stick lady or girl in their name. I give you Lady Punisher. <laughs> Miss Lynn Michaels she was created by Chuck Dixon and John Romita Jr. Her first appearance was Punisher War Journal number 7 in a story called Muggers Picnic from 1992. Lynn was introduced as a cop who was attacked in Central Park while Frank was stalking bad guys during a time when he was healing from wounds after that he had sustained while killing the Carbone family, right? He was coming back. like He got messed up pretty bad. So he's like, I'm just going to go practice in Central Park. <laughs> Make sure I still got it, baby. Sure, right. <laughs> A witness would misidentify Lynn as working with the Punisher when he saves her, and later she'd be targeted by an assassin called Stiletto. Frank, because you have to hire a lady assassin to fight a, to kill a lady. Well, That's the rule. It's just polite, you know. I mean, and like. It sends a message when you're sending a dude to murder a woman, you know, like not everybody's into that. There so. are implications. <laughs> yeah. There are implications you want to avoid. It's like yeah. intergender wrestling on TV. Like, can you do it? Sure. Should you? That's a bigger question. Mm, right? It's a gray
1: area. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Frank would save Lynn's life and later she would save his life while helping him with some vampire killings. It was a whole thing. Sure. Look, Frank doesn't just fight the living. If there's an undead person committing murders, Frank's on it. It's true. Later, during a period when the world believed Frank was dead, this was right after Suicide Run, we figured out, right? E- this was later on, yeah. No, there, this was,
1: the Lynn Michaels thing was not
0: part of Suicide Run. So it was later. No, but I'm uh, saying, this. she was not part, but she is reintrodu- reintroduced. This is when she becomes Lady Punisher. Up to this point... She's just a cop. Later, during a period when the world believed Frank was dead, Lynn became lady punisher after becoming disenfranchised with the legal process when a child killer she put away was released due to technicalities with evidence. These damn judges. It's just like all the commercials we see like right now where they're like, so-and-so wants to let rapists and child murderers walk free amongst us. Don't vote for them. <laughs> Excelsior! Oh, that is it for teaching 721. If you dig our new comic reviews, check out our YouTube channel where you can subscribe to each of our shows separately. We've got a back issue show. We've got a gang hang and we got a new comic show, or you can listen to them as podcasts on YouTube music next week. We switch off. The Package You Show returns. Cosmic Longbox is going to have us talking about the Marvels. When we say the Marvels, we mean ladies with Marvel in their name. So watch for that synergy there with the movie. See what we did? But if you need more THN in the meantime, join us for the THN cover-to-cover gang hang on Saturdays at 11 o'clock Central. Check out our Discord for details. Joe Patrick, tell them what else they can do over at our Discord. You can get in on the action before we even air the
1: show with our weekly episode discussion thread. You can uh, debate whether or not Batman still has a robot hand that farts smoke. Spoiler alert, he does. I was not aware that it farts smoke. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You could get all inside baseball with the art nerds in the group debating, uh, talking about different kinds of digital art tools. Or maybe you just want to answer the question of the week. This week's question in honor, I guess, of this week's relaunch of The Punisher? How about
0: because are, there was a relaunch of The Punisher?
1: Because of, in observance yes, of, yes. this week's <laughs> relaunch of The Punisher, who are your favorite non-Punisher punishers? In other words, these are vigilantes that take the law into their own hands and act as judge, jury, and executioner. They gots to kill
0: which, people. That's the which rule. Which means, yeah, they're like, yeah,
1: your red hoods, you're fool killers, sure. etc. Anyone other than Frank Castle is fair game, even if it's one of Marvel's many dubious Punisher variations. The 2099 version, Lady Punisher, anybody we mentioned in the THN Extra this week, etc. Sure,
0: sure. Maybe.
1: We do need Question of the Week suggestions every week, so please keep them coming. You can sign up for our Discord with the link at twoeditnerd.com slash Discord. You can post about any of our segments there or send an MP3 submission for the Comic Pushers, for Ask a Nerd, or whatever to two-edit-nerd at gmail.com and we'll put you on the dang show.
0: If you're new to this show and you think we're crazy because stories about baby meteors attracting big daddy meteors are awesome, I assure you. It's only because you're a little confused and you just haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. This is a listener-supported podcast you got here. And it would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our patron logan drydale if you like what you hear every week and wish that your parents named you after wolverine like logan it's easy to support the show you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd
1: before we go our weekly shout out goes to colleen doran the legendary creator of a distant soil among dozens of other acclaimed works this week, Doran revealed that she has spent the better part of the past year fighting cancer. And in that same post, she also revealed that she has completed treatment and is eager to get back to work. Nice. Word to you, Colleen, and congrats on ringing that bell. We're pulling for
0: you. Until next time, true relievers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just crush your pile with his robot hand that, yes, he still does have. We didn't forget about that. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. It's good enough for Luke Skywalker. Come good enough for well, heck, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah,